0: You're listening to a 58 Ember Production. Life can be hard, and sometimes you just need an internet bestie to help you out. That's where I come in. Welcome to the Dear Imani Podcast, an advice-based show that reminds you to put yourself first and live in your purpose. And don't worry, I'll always give you the real tea. Need advice or have a story? Send me a message on our Instagram at Dear Imani Podcast or DearImani.com. Tune in every Friday for a new episode. See you there. Sincerely, Imani. Hello everyone and welcome back to Dear Imani. I'm your host, Imani, obviously. So happy Thanksgiving. By the time you're listening to this, it will be a day after Thanksgiving or whenever you're listening to it. But happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a beautiful time with your friends and family. I know Thanksgiving and Christmas look a little bit different as you get older. You may not be in your hometown, or especially LA people, like people are from all over the place living in California, so you might not go home and you spend a lot of time with your friends, your friends giving or whatnot. So however you spent the holiday season, I just hope you have a good time. I hope you ate a lot of good food. And if you don't celebrate, I hope you had a great day off of work because you deserve it. So I've kind of teased this episode for I feel like two weeks now, but I'm super excited for this guest because she is a full-time content creator and business owner and the founder of Coco Swatches, which I'm sure a lot of you black girlies out there are super familiar with because I know I was. But please oh, welcome to the Dear Imani Studio Afune Amaka. Hey, hey. welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. Thank you for first. For first of for all, be
1: here. Yes.
0: Um. So kind of how we met. She and I both have shot for Milani Cosmetics, yeah. and so the content creator. Person isadora shout out to isadora because we love you <laughs> yes. she's the best she's such a good time um she was like you should reach out to her because she's so cool so I like slid in her DMs and I'm like you want to go to lunch because I want to get to know you and I already knew your brand cocoa swatches yeah and so I was like oh, she's famous y'all she's famous so, yeah and then she was like yeah we can get lunch so we got lunch and then we were able to go to we went to the same event not that right. long ago yeah. um then I was like you want to be on the podcast and here we are so. Thanks for coming. Yes,
1: of course, thank you for having me. The journey continues. Yes, since we're tr- not working out and uh, breathing real hard like we were at Barry's. <laughs> right, I
0: know. I know. Oh my gosh, we had an event at the Barry's boot camp, yeah. and that was hard. Yeah, because yeah.
1: the car—it was a cardio. Yeah, for me at least. I mean, both. Just the yeah. cardio and then the lifting, the drills, and the <laughs> Yeah, we were running. Just pick, a pick a lane. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, like I said, she's a full-time content creator. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just talk about the beauty world, content, her businesses, and all of that. But before we get into what you're doing now, I like to go backwards and like, where it all started. So <laughs> so if you could think back, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were little?
1: Oh, that's easy. I wanted to be Brandy. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? I wanted yes. to be a singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched, you know, Moesha. I had what was it, Full Moon, that album I listened to on repeat with mm-hmm. Monica, like the bo- Like I was just like, she, you know, she had song. braids. Yeah. I had my mom only let me wear braids. Like I was just like, she was like my girl. I couldn't sing though. So
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna that say Ship you, had you. sailed. No, <laughs> I did not I thought I could, but yeah. You
1: know, so that ship sailed. But um yeah, I really I think was uh, intrigued by I guess the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. by someone who I guess had like a very cool image that I resonated with um yeah was, I wanted to be just like her yeah, yes. yeah. So, okay yeah <laughs> so you still wanted to be in the entertainment industry which is I guess technically yeah I, like I just I don't know what it's about like I saw her on tv and I was just like yeah I want to there's be something her. about her. yeah uh-huh. she's that girl to me yeah <laughs> exactly I just talked about this
0: in my last week's episode like career changing and mm-hmm. changing your career and pivoting yeah and I was saying how for me too I always knew I wanted to do entertainment right and like it looks different now because it's social media, but yeah. back then I thought I was going to be a pop star. I was yeah. like, no one's going to tell me I wasn't going to be yeah. the next like Britney Spears, even yeah. though I also cannot.
1: But <laughs> I mean, hey, you learned the dance, food. Yeah. You know, get, that's
0: yeah. yeah. That's how, you know, we were like meant to do entertainment because right. we wanted to be pop stars right. as kids. <laughs> yes. yes. We had things to say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you want to be a pop star. you want to be Miss yeah. Brandy. Yeah. Um, so what did you end up if you went to school? What did you end up going to school for?
1: So I actually ended up going to school for communications. Um, My parents actually helped me figure out my major. I think I was always someone like I took like digital imaging in high school. I was into writing like I was thinking about journalism and like communications just kind of encompass everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I applied to school as a communications major, got into school and I mean, it just made sense to me. I didn't see anything else. Like there was a while there where. I thought I might double major in econ, but my grades started slipping. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, um, but, yeah, like, it just, I enjoyed the art of storytelling and learning about all the different forms. So, like, back then, it was writing, like, I used to write a lot. Blogging was such a big thing, so I had a blog. Now, obviously, social media has kind of changed things, but I think the art of storytelling, for me, has always been at the heart of kind of what I wanted to do with my career.
0: Wow, okay. Yeah, so, so everything like came together and which will get somehow into, but it, it really came together like somehow, hearing yeah. from pop star sensation that you mm-hmm. wanted to be and then majoring communications yeah. and storytelling like that's mm-hmm. literally these worlds together it's on yeah. camera it's giving pop star <laughs> storytelling low key, so low like Loki, key. the key okay so that's how you, that's what you
1: majored in yeah. and then what jobs did you have before doing this Oh, I mean, so I actually, I was working in um, tech. I'm from the Bay Area, so I'm mm-hmm. working in tech comms right out of college. Um, well, it took a while for me to get, you know, my first big girl job. Uh, I had a few little odd jobs there. Um, I was actually partition writing for a while um, and kind of working with just, like, writing jobs. Um, my first, like, big girl job was being, like, a social media manager or social media intern at, um, like, a tech company. I kind of describe it as like, it's like a Dropbox competitor, you know, Mm -hmm. so not very sexy, not very interesting. Um, But social media was new at that time, right? And they're like, how can we utilize this to further our business? And me kind of being the youngest person at the company and also trying to get into, you know, communication. It was like, okay, you be a social media intern, figure out how we can utilize social. And then eventually uh, graduating into like, I think I was like communications associate or something like that helping kind of translate what the execs like their talking points, what they're talking about, into blog posts for our website, into social media like tweets for our CEO, like stuff like that. So just like literally trying to take little sound bites, little ideas that the company and the text the execs there had and translating them into social. Um, and so it was really like my entry point into utilizing social as from a business standpoint. Because mm-hmm. obviously, before like, I was on Twitter, what right when Twitter came out, I was on Facebook right when it came out, mm-hmm. I was on Instagram right when it came out. But thinking about it from a business perspective is definitely different. Um, but I was getting a little bit what's the word I want to use? <laughs> I would say bored, for lack of a better word. Sick and tired. <laughs> it just, it's not a sexy subject, right? And yeah. it's hard to kind of make people feel excited about it if you're not in that world. And I always knew I wanted to work in, like I said, entertainment. And fashion was really my passion at that mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I want to I wanna like be in New York. I want to go explore the world. I want to not just be stuck here. So yeah, that was... That was like the job I had before grad school, mm-hmm. and I started cocoa swatches after grad
0: school oh okay, so, yeah. so after grad, so after that that's when you went to new york yes, i did okay, <laughs> I, okay. Did. I went i
1: got I went to grad school I went to grad school in New York City, and I was there for about two years and while I was there is uh you know i i always like think of it in like a very uh, how can I describe this? So basically, when I was working, I had money, and when I was in grad school, I did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is, right? So, like, before, I could just go to Mac and be like, hey, like, what do I, what should I, buy? you know, what should I wear? And whatever they told me, I could just, you know, swipe my card and buy mm-hmm. it. But in grad school, it was like uh, I no longer had that same budget, <laughs> and that's really where Coco Swatches started because I was like, I need information mm-hmm. that's going to help me so I don't waste my money, mm-hmm. so I'm not buying things that I think are going to look good, like a red lipstick that I should be able to wear and count on. You know, like, those are those things that you should be able to count on. Right. Oh, um, oh there, oh, oh, there, there you go. <laughs> is. Yeah.
0: If you're listening to this, he just pulled up all her all her
1: things. Yeah. So. There we are. So I needed like a place where I could just go and be like what red lipstick do I buy and see the actual thing for myself and Mm -hmm. decide for myself what I wanted to spend my hard-earned coins Mm -hmm. on. And so, yeah, that's when I kind of started it. It was also an outlet because I was in grad school. I was working, like, these unpaid fashion internships trying to get experience. And this was just my way of, like, bringing it together because if you have a fire outfit on, you need that, you know, fire, whatever, red lip, mascara, Mm -hmm. eyeliner to complement it. And I was trying to figure that out for myself, so – I was inviting people through social media to figure it out with me and to also help each other uh, share information.
0: Wow! And so, do you feel like you learned a lot from that first job that got you to where you are today? Because you've and also you've seen it grow. Right. Like, would you consider yourself like an OG? Um, OG? I mean, I guess now,
1: I guess so. Now, guess like, yeah. this is like I think year eight oh that's OG OG. yeah so it's definitely been a journey and before like I started Coco Swatches I like I said I had a blog so like Mm -hmm. I was trying to add a fashion blog that was just more kind of about me and there was a small like beauty diaries portion but it was just kind of like general whatever I was up to at the time so I've been like trying to do this for lack of better words for a while um and so yeah I think my first job definitely kind of uh well it's hard. I I would say that it definitely taught me um like I said about social media from mm-hmm. my business perspective, but I think my time in New York really showed me how much work goes into this job. Some mm-hmm. of the people that I worked with also did social and like we were not sleeping. Like mm-hmm. we were, were you know, it was, like, 23 hour a day. Dude. Wow, yeah. You know, like, I, I remember, like, falling asleep at the club on my birthday because I was that tired. my mm-hmm. friend took me out on my birthday. <laughs> I could not stay awake because I was that tired. So I think the expectations that I had wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to like, I think if you look at social media now, you might think like, oh, you just make a video, and you'll go viral mm-hmm. and you'll be successful. Like I, that was not my vantage point at all. I was like going into like, oh, I'm going to have to like really work at this mm-hmm. in order to make this a thing. And so I think that really, at least set realistic um, like standards for me in even starting something like this to say like, this is not going to be a short-term thing. I'm going to have to kind of invest in this.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, that's such a good message because people think it's I see always a lot of discourse on TikTok about this topic of like influencers and content creation. And like if an influencer says something like, Oh, it's such a long day today or so hard, <laughs> then the internet's like, Oh, what do you even do? You don't even do anything all day. Yeah. Um, and there's like that whole discourse with that. But I don't think people understand how much goes into it. It's it's your job just like any other job. Right. I think the disconnect a little bit sometimes is influencers reap the benefits of their hard work I feel like financially and like being able to go to cool places or being able to travel where other people work really hard too but then they can't pay their bills or they can't they don't get to travel or get to experience things so I think that's where the conversation messes up just because it's they're both working equally hard in their fields it's just one gets to reap the benefits (laughs) so I think that's where people get like annoyed because they don't get to reap the benefits but that's doesn't that doesn't concern a content creator that's not their issue so it's it's, like
1: yeah i think the content creator gets that instantaneous whether it is like Mm -hmm. rewards feedback um but it's like i think and i'm i will be the first one to say like i completely understand someone who will look at like this job and be like that's not a hard job because i think when you get to a certain point and you have done the grunt work it is not going to be as hard Mm -hmm. if you like you know if you're like at like let's say and i'm not going to I'm not there yet, so I don't know, but I'll just for the sake of example, if you're like at a million followers and you're having like a pretty steady flow of clients or brands you're working with, uh, you're not really like at the grinding phase Mm -hmm. anymore. So I can see someone looking at that person and being like, Hey, your job's not that hard, right? But it's like there are so many people that are posting every single day. Yeah, doing the con and they're not getting the likes mm-hmm. they're not getting they have and they have no health insurance, yeah, and they have, yeah. like you know, and they don't have they might not have you know people that are supporting them, like something that's actually really been difficult for me in this journey is working by myself, mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit before about being extroverted and stuff, and like I like working with people, and I think like that as much as you may or may not like working in an office, that's kind of what working with for a company affords you is. Some, I won't say community, because like, like, I know your workers are not your friends, mm-hmm. but it's just human connection, human contact, whereas when you're working only posting mm-hmm. online, you don't really always feel so connected right. to any specific person. Yeah. You're your own boss. You have to have all the ideas and have all the answers, mm-hmm. and there's no one to call when you need help, and if some you mess up, if you get canceled, it's on you, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. no one else to share the blame, yeah. so it's kind of a lot of responsibility and i think mentally that you know not everybody wants to deal with that so it, it, both sides are gonna have their totally and their yeah
0: and that's why the conversation sometimes is annoying to hear especially mm-hmm. as someone that's
1: also in the industry
0: and trying to grow as well mm-hmm. it's like it's a lot of work that gets put into it mm-hmm. from the editing the youtube videos the tiktoks like yeah. it it's really time consuming and tedious like i don't it doesn't feel necessarily hard like labor in that way but it's tedious and it takes a lot of time like i hear people it takes me like two hours to do one TikTok because they don't do TikTok, and even then even if you you do it takes (laughs) longer than that so it's like it's a full shift just like any other shift um but it's good that you went into it knowing how much hard work it took because i think that's what got you here today because like you said a lot of times now people think it's just like you become viral you become a star and that does happen for some people but even if you take really famous people on the internet like Monet McMichael or Alex Earl. If you look back, like Monet has been doing YouTube for a long time and she has, she really puts in the work and then Alex Earl has been doing TikTok since it kind of started. So yes, they're really famous and popular now, but it's not like it was one video, like it was consistency and time. So it's cool that you recognize that before so then you were able to go in a certain way
1: right yeah because i think that's the hardest part is that if you don't kind of have like a reason for being you don't have a why like being consistent until you get that like viral video or until you get that um piece of content that like exposes you to other folks it's hard to keep that consistency up because Mm -hmm. most people have to create like like you're saying like monet and alex they've been creating for a while and then over time they started getting these viral videos and becoming more and more popular. But, like, you have to be consistent in order Mm -hmm. to get to that point. You can't just do one video and expect it to just, you know, go off. Even if it's... I see so many creators that are super talented that Mm -hmm. don't have that many followers. Even if they have viral videos, their followers aren't that much. And, obviously, I'm sure we both have to deal with algorithms Mm -hmm. and the way in which growth has changed. Um, And so, I think it's just... Yeah, it's important for people to realize that I think this is a job as much as it is glamorous and it's fun. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy that, like, yeah, like, I'm happy I'm not in corporate America, if I'm being honest. You yeah. know, like, I, like yeah, totally. you know, I'm happy to be here. But it's definitely, like, I have my rough days. I have my days where I'm like, oh, I can't figure out Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, like, connect uh, on this platform. Uh, why? Yeah, I thought this was like a fire idea. And it just tanks completely. Yeah. You know? And it, I think. Those are like the days that you have to kind of remember why you started in order to be able to push through. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think the same happens. Same thing happens for me working at Disney. People Mm -hmm. always assume, like, don't you love to go to work every day? It's so fun. (laughs) I'm like, girl, this is still a job. Like, no, I don't want to be here. (laughs) I just, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to clock in. Yeah, Yeah, so just because something is, may seem really fun or, and it is really fun to make create content, but doesn't mean that there's not the hardships and whatnot. But you kind of spoke about, um, like, people getting viral and then not having a lot of followers, too. I think sometimes that's also the community. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like Monet's just a good example, so I use her. But, like, mm-hmm. she's able to build a community where she has, like, a fan base. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. almost like she's a pop star. Yeah. Like, yeah. really. Yeah. So, and I think that's just from how she connects with her fans yeah. and the people that follow her. Um, And so that's what's really interesting about that. But I also feel like you've been able to build that with Coco Swatches just because yeah. – even before I put a face to the brand, like I knew what Coco Swatches was, right. um, which is like really cool because that means you have your own community. So kind of going into that, you kind of talked about a little bit, like, but how did that start and what inspired you to create that brand?
1: Yeah. So like I, I said, alluded to a little bit earlier, I had started Coco Swatches living in New York in grad school, you know, working these jobs and not having a lot of money. And so I would always look, like, I'd be, like, in Dwayne Reed, which is, like, Walgreens in New York. Mm. And, like, looking at my phone on Google, like, what does this Maybelline Ruthless Red look like on dark skin, right? And I couldn't find anything. And I was a person where I just didn't have time to watch a YouTube video. Like, I just wanted the information, like, right there. So I was, like, dang, like, I wish there was, like, a page where I could just, like, have, like, the literal, like, color swatch right there so I could decide... And it be super easy because also too for being real, a lot of brands. Um, I'm not talking about Maybelline specifically. I'm just saying mm-hmm. a lot of brands um, in general don't provide accurate swatching. Mm-hmm. Like they just will put. I don't know how they do it. If it's digitally created, but like the swatches that they put forth are not actually how it looks like on a person mm-hmm. with deeper skin tone. And back then, they weren't even swatching. They weren't even having the fake swatches on deep skin for the most part. Like mm-hmm. they weren't even showcasing. Uh, like, like you and I were in a Milani campaign, like, there there weren't a lot of brands that had black girls, mm-hmm. people with deeper skin tones in their campaigns, um, so it was kind of just really hard to determine what something was going to look like before you bought it, so I created Coco Swatches on Instagram, because I was like, at the time, hashtags, like I said, things have changed, but hashtags were a thing back then, mm-hmm. so the ta- the idea was kind of like, I'm going to make this page, I'm going to post the things that I like, I'm going to have this as a hashtag and encourage other people to use the hashtag and post the things that they like. And I would always share everything that was kind of posted to the hashtag. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how things started. Was like and how the community started. So it was like everyone who uses this hashtag is going to see themselves represented mm-hmm. through this page. So I was creating original content, but also curating content from others as well. Um, and so I think the fact that it was based, the idea is based in community. Is is why. Um, that I've been able to kind of maintain a community this long because it's always kind of been at the forefront of what Coco Swatches
0: is. Right. And that's so cool because yeah. I now feel like people go to your page, like they can go to your page because you probably have so many different swatches and brands that you've mm-hmm. worked with or just tried yourself. And right. they you've ma- been able to make them have trust in you, mm-hmm. your community too, just because you're like, okay. You also broke barriers and made something that wasn't there right. because we just didn't have that. Like the, I feel like the inclusion and the inclusion conversation it's like happened in the past what five years especially really after like Fenty came out yeah and then after the Black Lives Matter movement resurfaced in 2020 right. that's when people really started like oh representation inclusion <laughs> um, but before that you know like we just didn't have like proper makeup or there would be makeup artists if you were on a set and they just didn't know how to do our makeup or have the right colors so being able to create something that us you know dark skin gals can go to and refer to is so incredible so what have you seen like happen with Coco Swatches like what has been your favorite part about having this
1: brand yeah I mean I think like like you're saying like back then I feel like and not just me like there's a lot of like influencers that like I feel like we were the only ones that were willing to speak up and like kind of put brands to task like you know Jackie Ayn is someone that people talk about a lot because mm-hmm. she has so many like viral videos where she's like being super real about what a product actually looks like on someone, and she's not even the deepest darkest person. And a lot of things didn't work for her back then, you know. And so I think uh, being able to kind of connect with a lot of those folks and that paved the way for me. And after I had the Instagram page for a while, I made the idea into a mobile app, and so that was kind of maybe my favorite. Uh, or most, like, uh, remarkable or most uh, memorable part of my journey thus far is being able to kind of say, hey, like, let's take this into something that um, not only I can own, but y'all can have in your phones. Um, If y'all know the story of the Coco Swatches app, it is not necessarily – it's not over, but it's mm-hmm. it has ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that I was able to launch something like that was so dope. Yeah. Like, it's really what put me on the map. I got, like, so many opportunities to talk to all these magazines, wow. like Allure and Team Vogue and, like, speak on panels. So, like, it really kind of just, I think launch of the app really is what changed my trajectory forever. I think if I had continued going and being consistent, I definitely would have done well on social. But mm-hmm. I think the the fact that people were like, wow, she had to create a whole app because mm-hmm. the industry was not um, doing enough to kind of serve um, her needs as a dark-skinned black woman. It was, like, very revolutionary at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think also proved the point that the inclusion, um, equity, and, you know, the DEI was just not even a talking point at that time. Right. And so how
0: did your app get that recognition? Was it, you think it's from when you the Instagram page first and then, because they knew that page already, then you when you created the app, it was already, like, buzzy, basically. Or how did that come about? Because that's so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's maybe going back to your uh, question about, like, did my did my original job help me? I think, like, everything that I did up to that point helped me. Because mm-hmm. I was in grad school, again, for comms. And so I was kind of, like, learning all the different facets of, like, communications. And so I really was, like, treating the app launch as, like, my business um, launch. That, like, at my previous tech job we had gone through a rebrand so I kind of saw what it looked like to create a brand from scratch Mm -hmm. and like what a press release for that would look like and just like kind of all the things that you do when you launch a brand of whatever it's about Mm -hmm. right so it was basically like a happy accident that so many people were able to find out about it because I was just prepared I had all the things ready for people to kind of learn about what this is and my community that I that I had already cultivated was so excited about it Mm -hmm. so I think that's really what catapulted it into like um that was literally my viral moment um mm-hmm. and so yeah I think that was like really uh I guess the fork in the road if you will of like my career because it also kind of you know built me up because I was like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> you know yeah. and I was like I, I was trying to get a job in fashion at the time I was in New York because I wanted to work in fashion and you know that was kind of my goal I wanted to do social or do digital strategy for a brand mm-hmm. um, and maybe use this as part of my resume right but i was like oh y'all want to know about me
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's really tricky uh, on yeah i was like, like oh are y'all
1: interested in what i have to say so yeah. it kind of also was like a confidence boost for me that like hey like like we were talking about earlier we you know from from a young age you had something to say you had a story you wanted to tell and now people are listening mm-hmm. and so how, what are you going to do like and so that was actually the point where i also decided i wasn't going to go back to work um, mm. After grad school, like I think the plan in my head at first was I'm gonna go to grad school and I'm gonna look for jobs and stay in New York. But after I graduated, I was like, I'm gonna do full social full time. I had no savings, I had no plan. <laughs> oh, so you just went for it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like because like literally that viral moment happened as I'm graduating from from grad school. Yeah. And so So was just like I don't want to miss my 15 i want to yeah, make well sure I try. I, yeah i want to make sure i try at least i try if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out but like this is the time mm-hmm. Like, i can't just not take advantage of this of this um, opportunity so
0: yeah and how did like your peers respond to that like doing social media because i know it could be different mm-hmm. but like in the beginning i feel like when people wanted to start youtube or anything it's like People like to see the use the word cringy. It's like cringy or people get embarrassed because yeah. you're talking to yourself with the cameras in right. public or you're showing up online and people mm-hmm. get just like, oh, a little nerve wracking. Did your peers like respond well to you wanting to do social media, especially at a time where like at this point, like everybody and their mama want yeah. to do it? So it's like <laughs> it's not that shocking. But yeah. back then I feel like it's a little like, oh, okay,
1: social media. Right. I think at least my cl- c- circle of like people that I was around probably were not surprised because like I said, I was blogging before that. So I was mm-hmm. the girl, like now we have our phones and it's so much easier, but I was the girl at brunch. I was like, wait, can y'all take my a picture of my outfit real quick? I'm like my big DSLR like yeah. camera. Like I was like the girl that was always trying to like capture the moments, mm-hmm. like even from college, like always had my camera on me, always was posting pictures, always trying to like document things. And so- I don't think that this was necessarily something that was surprising. Now, the fact that I was doing it full time, I'm sure people had their thoughts about it because I wasn't able to sustain myself on this for, like, I want to say three or four years. Like, it took me a while before I actually – and, like, that's the part where I guess maybe people don't talk about. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I have, you know, whatever, 10K in savings, and so I'm just going to – you know write it out like oh, I had nothing I was yeah you know I had some parents that love me Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> some friends that you know mm-hmm. try to support me and you know I was trying to figure it out and like it was like kind of a thing where every six months I was like having to reevaluate and then I would get an opportunity and I'd be like okay like let's keep going mm-hmm. um so I'm sure there was like especially those years where I wasn't able to kind of sustain myself on my own just through this I'm sure there was like talks or judgments or whatever it is but like I guess I just at the time I really somehow was not letting any of that phase me. Cause Good, I just yeah. really believed in the my community and the idea.
0: Yeah. And that's so hard. Like that's a so, people don't know that part of yeah. the content creator and influencer story of like how long it could take. Yes. Especially in today's time, like we talked about, because you can go viral and then people are like, Oh, you must be rich now. You know, like <laughs> it's like, no. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just having to like take care of yourself or find find that groove took years. Did you ever get another job or did you just you just grind it out? And like when that next opportunity came, you're like, period. <laughs> and then it just kept happening like that slowly?
1: Uh so no, I definitely was doing like odd jobs. Like okay. there was a while I was um I TA'd at Columbia for a couple semesters after um I had graduated. I'm like, what else did I do? I considered doing postmates. I don't think I actually did it. Mm-hmm. Um I think I was like Always looking for like kind of like modeling jobs or like, cause it was New York at the time. So just like little ways to make a little extra buck here and there. But um, yeah, like for the most part, those things though were like few and far between. Like I said, I was really relying on the generosity of the people around me mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, then when I would get a job, that would go to whatever bills. Or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever I had, responsibilities that I would have at the time. So, I I definitely definitely thought of, like, you know, going to work at Target, going to... But then it's like, as we're speaking about, you can't work eight hours at Target. I mean, you can. And kudos to people that do. Yeah. Because I don't know how y'all do it. Yeah. It's but lot. it's hard to work eight hours of retail or something mm-hmm. like that on your feet and then come home and you don't have your natural lighting and you don't have your lights or maybe you, you don't have a great place to film and so you have to set up your, your set um, be quiet if there's people in the house mm-hmm. and feel, like it's hard. And yeah. So I think I was just like, uh like if I'm gonna do that, I might as well just not do this anymore yeah. kind of thing. Um so yeah, it was just like I said, every six months I'm like, man, I don't know. Like let me start looking at uh, indeed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then I would get a call or I get an email, then I'd be like, all right, okay, if I if it. I book this then I'll be good for the next two months. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so you really just had to like believe in yourself too, yeah. which is I think a huge part of this industry it's just like actually thinking you can do it mm-hmm. and then putting it into action and doing it but a huge part of the mindset like mm. if you don't think you're capable of doing it why would these brands or your a community of people think that you can do it too so it's like a lot of mindset things so but what was your big aha moment like your check when you were like when you got a check where you like oh I'm gonna do this forever
1: I mean, that's this year with Milani yeah so okay I mean, mean. I mean so yeah I mean this year we both work on um, mm-hmm. this. I think this is technically the same campaign, right? Yeah, but yours
0: just you're just like the campaign.
1: Uh, okay, you're just like big money uh, record
0: campaign. I'm uh, trying to get like you. I
1: told you now. I was like, I'm trying to be in that next big old campaign, Isadora. Uh, I mean, well, <laughs> that was like my like you know, it's like cultivation, right? Like I've been working hard, and I I think that my and I I don't I'm not gonna I don't want to compare myself. I think any creator shouldn't compare yourself because everybody's journey is different and what's for you is for you. But I will say that like I've seen people. That I started with in, like, way different places than me. And so I kind of have been, there's been times where I felt like, oh, my, you know, I'm kind of plateaued. Like, I haven't really, like, you know, have I really made it? Like, I'm I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not, like, there. And so, like, this year, working with Milani, being on a billboard, it was kind of like, okay. Like, yeah.
0: So many billboards. Yeah. <laughs> like, all over LA. was <laughs> around like, LA.
1: I was like, okay, like, wow, like, this is something that is, like, you know, I don't think that mentally you you can um you don't want to like let other people define what success looks like for you you don't want to like put your um too much stock into other people saying you're good you're good it's, you have to believe you're good but it's just very validating to see like a brand say like hey like we've seen you working we seen you we want you to represent our um brand for like a long time right like mm-hmm. it, there's billboards there uh the pictures are in target mm-hmm. for i'm not even sure how long like so it's like it's an investment in you. It's not just one one video or one post. It, mm-hmm. And so I think that really was uh, very validating for me. And like, okay, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Cause like, cause even even though now like I'm just like full time. I have my own brand. I have these other things that I do. There are still days where I'm like, man, I, I don't know about this. Yeah. You know, the algorithm does not change again. Mm-hmm. And, now I got to figure out how to... Because, like, when I first started, too, like, when you were talking about um, what my peers thought, I forgot to mention that, like, I wasn't really creating a lot of content with my face in it at first. Right. Google okay. swatches was, like, the swatches. So I was, like, just, how can I make high-quality, real swatches on an arm? So a lot of people didn't even know who I was. Right, Because it yeah. was my arm that I was, like, shooting all the time. And so because of the way the algorithms have changed, you can't, like, they just... They see a black, they don't even know what a black arm is. I feel like the AI doesn't know how to register what yeah. a black person's arm is. Because <laughs> even when I look for swatches, I don't see myself in the explore page. Right. Um, so it was like, I have to touch it on my face. Mm-hmm. And so that was new for me. And so it's like, there's always been these changes. And I mean, I think that's, again, something that working in tech has helped me learn is that you have to try to like keep up. If you just say, I'm going to just do what I always do then it's unfortunately you might get left behind Mm -hmm. because the tech is going to change and you can you can count on that. Um, And so it's better to be an early adopter than to try to just be like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I used to do. Um, And so having to continually adapt, though, is very taxing. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, like I said, I still have days where I'm like, like. Now TikTok wants you to have talking videos that are over two minutes. Yeah, that creator beta program, they're like, (laughs) they're trying to take over YouTube too, so you have a whole thing going. At first it was like, you can do cute little five seconds, ten seconds. No. Now it's like, no. You better get to talking. You got to talk. I find something to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, sometimes you kind of psych yourself out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I say all that to say that like having those moments like the Milani campaign do validate and do help you continue to push forth and just comments like the community that aspect because at the end of the day when I don't feel like doing something but I someone's like oh my gosh like it's Christmas and I don't know what palette to buy it's like oh I want to help that person and so that's kind of what also pushes me as well
0: Mm -hmm. and talking about like the comparison and that's everyone knows the thief of joy and all of that Mm -hmm. but I feel like I saw a creator talking about this and I think she is in her 30s and she was saying she was feeling like a lot of the popular creators are like early 20s Mm -hmm. and the idea and then but then she also is not an OG creator like a Mm -hmm. Jackie Aina or someone like that so then she felt lost in where she belonged because she's like okay I'm not this girl's age I'm not 22 23 but I'm also not anyone that's her age is considered like an OG yeah beauty you you know what I'm trying to say yeah or what she was trying to say and I'm like oh that makes so much sense because it's like where do you she didn't she didn't know where she would fit in but really you don't have to fit in anywhere it's just make the content and the community will find you and like no one as a viewer of hers i was never thinking like how old is she oh (laughs) she should be over here Oh, she should be over there it's like that's her own personal insecurity that Mm -hmm. she's feeling that no one else that's following her is probably been thinking about but we compare ourselves so much because it's the internet you literally just scroll (laughs) and compare that's like not what it's made for but that's what it does like Someone has this, someone has that. You're scrolling. You're like, I want that. Mm -hmm. Or why that person got to go over there? Right. Or this person's at this brand trip, but she already went to five million.
1: Yeah. Get somebody else
0: a chance. It's like,
1: like, yeah, it's a lot. And it's like, we're talking about the the work. And I think there are a lot of talented people that are doing the work. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the algorithm don't like the way that, however they put content together. Or it's just, you know they haven't got the memo that you got to do the talking, even me- you know, for two, like, you know, it's like, it's not that they're not talented. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so just that. Things. And for even myself, like, it's not, sometimes that you're not talented, it's just whatever the the time that you posted, the song that you used, all the things, yeah. like, have a factor. And so I think that can be the frustrating part, that there are a lot of things out of your control, but that's also why it's so important to remember, like you said, not to compare, because it's not about all those things, it's mm-hmm. about you as a person, Um and, you know, I do get I get that feeling though about being a little older because I think TikTok, like every generation, probably had their app. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there from all of them. Basically. Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> oh, MySpace. On, on I bring that back. Uh, I for most of them, so I feel like TikTok is this generation's social media. That's probably the one that they grew up with, and mm-hmm. so I think that there is a. Um, I I can understand why someone might feel like, oh, I'm just now starting or I'm not that far in, but I'm a little older. But to your point, I think like there's TikTok has every single kind of niche Mm -hmm. available. And so it's like finding that thing that makes you excited to talk about every day. Because at first, you might just be talking about your general day to day, but then you might find out that people really enjoy your coffee recipes Mm -hmm. or people really enjoy, you know, the way that you style your workout gear. Like, you know, and so I think also. Uh, while it's also hard to be consistent through consistency you find out more about who you are and what you like to do mm-hmm. and also what your audience is responding to and right. so I think that is really where I guess that mental part comes in mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I always say too there's 7 billion people in the world yeah. so
0: everybody can have a bunch of like fall like it, really, there's room for it, yeah, everybody at is, this point. So yeah. you can always just got to keep on going. I just think it's everyone. I hate when people say, "Oh, it's saturated, it's saturated," and it is saturated because there's just so many people doing but doing things. But honestly, every industry is technically really like saturated. Mm-hmm. But ours, that shouldn't stop you from at least trying to right. do it. You know. Yeah. Um. So you went from like swatching other brands and all of that to creating your own brand, which yeah. is super exciting. She <laughs> is the Owner of Bear Period, and do you say like period, like Bear, Period? period. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, that's how it sounds yeah, in your head too. Yeah, Okay, that's how, yeah. That's, when I read it, I'm like Bear Period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> period. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about how you started that, what that was like, the process, all the things.
1: Yeah. So when I like started like getting more popular with Coco Swatches, started working with more brands. I used to be like, wow, like I get a ton of makeup, like there's just no way that I would ever need to create a brand because there's just so much makeup Mm -hmm. out there. Um, But, like, you start to realize, like, after, you know, maybe two or three years of, like, getting certain collections that there's a lot of, like, repetitive things. Mm -hmm. And the brands really are about, like, someone's psychographics more than they are about, like, the actual uh, quality of, like, the lip gloss, right? Like, everybody has a lip gloss, but maybe these people – Their lip gloss has, like, these pinks and their lip gloss has these tans. But, like, nobody's doing the deep browns kind of thing. And so I started to realize that, like, actually, I feel like maybe there are some products that are missing when it comes to deeper skin tones specifically. Um, And at the time, now that's changed, but at the time, too, just a couple years ago, a lot of the brands for black folks or for dark skin tones were not black owned. Mm. Um just recently, um, Fashion Fair and Black Opal became black owned. Fashion Fair was resurrected, but black opal was existing and black opal was not black owned. And mm. it was like this like cult favorite um brand for black folks for years. Um like Covergirl Queen Collection was something that I grew up with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's Cover Girl is not black owned, Queen Latifah is black but it got discontinued. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, Shea Moisture is another brand that had like a great kind of line that is black owned. But I guess maybe that the makeup portions of their brand wasn't doing well. So then they just concentrated on hair. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say that like there's also been a lot of brands that have popped up and gone away. And so it's like, man, like some of these brands had great products. There's been great products that I feel like should exist in this in this industry that either have gone have come and gone away or have never been introduced at all and so that's kind of what made me feel like hey like I mean why not why why not uh let me take a stab at this you know I've 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 I've, uh oh yeah (laughs) there there oh my gosh, this
0: is stunning yeah
1: what is the website yeah website the models
0: yeah. The gloss. I recently got into like gloss, so I'm definitely about to order. What's your favorite one?
1: So I'll say it's our best seller. Three. It's hard for me to say a favorite because they're all my babies. Yeah. So it's I started off with news because like I think I was talking about earlier, like I feel like stable products for black folks for dark skin are so hard to find. Like they're always either too red mm-hmm. or you know, not not quite deep enough. So Nude lip glosses to me are like something that every girl has in their purse, yeah. Um, so our bestseller is number two, which is Ibois, and I've numbered them from darkest to lightest in both English and my native language, Ibo. Mm-hmm. I'm Nigerian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, number two is like this kind of like purpley dark brown. Oh. I have some of it on right now. I oh, was yeah, so I was yeah, gonna yeah, that. I, do, yeah. Right I do have it on yeah. right now, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like when I'm just like going anywhere i always have at least one of them in my bag yeah um, and so yeah it's it's really to me like this is like all the information all the community all the sharing and knowledge because i've also learned from my community as well like this is kind of the cultivation of that this is the mm-hmm. way of me giving back to folks of something tangible in term. in addition to the information i can share from other people's brands and other people's stories like this is our story this is the mm-hmm. cocoa Swatch's story and this is kind of the, the cultivation of that
0: so, yeah, yeah and i what i love most about it too it's like thinking of melanated girls at the forefront Mm because a lot of times when it comes to um a shade range being added on at the back end or whatever we're like the second third fourth fifth thought so to have a brand that's literally the formulas and the technology behind it is with us in mind and Mm -hmm. our skin tone in mind is like groundbreaking because that's not a thing you know I feel like we didn't really see that until the recent years mm-hmm. of course and then everything else has been added on like, they're like oh we added like 50 extra shades yeah and it's like but that's after we were looking crazy <laughs> for years with our makeup and concealer and lips and everything yeah. so because it is also just hard to find because you mentioned how every girl needs like a nude mm-hmm. but the type the word nude itself mm-hmm. you know was only catered to fair-skinned people and white girls and everything mm-hmm. so when we hear nude, it's like our nude is nude too, but it's just darker. So having a lip color that matches our lips, our lips are darker. Right. So I can, like my pink is not my nude. Exactly. Because I'm black. Literally. <laughs> my lips are Literally. too. <laughs> yeah. So I love that the brand is like, it the forefront is thinking about darker skinned women.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the definition nude, like there was a whole campaign about it. I want to say five or, or seven, I can't remember exactly, like five years ago. definition of nude in merriam-webster's dictionary still had the words like the color of a white person's skin Mm -hmm. and so like only and i did an article with the pudding um and we basically kind of looked at different makeup products and the names and almost always the lighter skinned um the lighter toned foundations or um, makeup products had nude but when it came to the darker products there was no like no brown things mm-hmm. had nude in it you know what i yeah. mean like it's only the lot of things that were called nude and the brown things always had food names or like some kind of yeah. weird like uh mahogany or yeah you know, we love a cocoa i mean yeah. i love a cocoa right we love yeah. an ebony, <laughs> an ebony a classic ebony color you know like but you know there's nothing like, that describes yeah. our like something that is like of skin mm-hmm. um and so yeah it's like i really wanted to create a brand that did have us at the forefront that wasn't like Hey, we have a new a new lip collection with uh, you know, six versions of of tan and, and pink and peach and then one brown that all the dark skin people are supposed to use. Mm-hmm. But the lighter folks have six choices and yeah. we just get the one just to make sure that we're being inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I wanna give four uh colors that really anyone that has a little bit of melanin can use. And mm-hmm. so whether you're my tone, your tone, darker, lighter, mm-hmm. all of these shades, um, can compliment your complaint. Yeah.
0: And how has it been so far, like having this brand, having this business?
1: I'm not gonna lie, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy, but I think it definitely teach me a lot about beauty from mm-hmm. a different perspective. I think I've been in the social, like social media world so long, and it's like, okay, you see how the the results of like a marketing campaign, you see what it's like when things are rolled out, but rolling those things out, now I'm like learning like, okay, like um components wand types Mm -hmm. you know uh bottles like all these like different things how to design a box like you know what type of box should you design if you want to be in a sephora one day Mm. like there are all these kind of visual elements that i'm now realizing that go into a product i think for in the beginning i was very much focused on like the payoff right Mm -hmm. what's the color look like and what does it feel like but there's so much more that goes into something as simple as a lip gloss that i think as definitely been a learning experience for me but I think a good one um, because you know I'm basically a one-woman show so I do most of everything to this day still which needs to change but yeah. <laughs> the the shooting the editing and the content um, I do have an agent now but like a lot I didn't have an agent for the first I want to say six or seven years I was doing all the negotiating myself mm-hmm. so I'm and now with this figuring out all these things what lab to work with what bottles I want Um, how to get the bottles from me to the customer, like packing orders, all that stuff. Like I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of work. But I think having to do the grunt work makes you have a better understanding of the industry so that the the day that you're able to expand, you know what's going on. You're not just kind of like trusting people to tell you what Mm -hmm. to do. You know exactly what you want it to look like. And so I'm hoping that in the future – as I work to kind of expand things, this is like setting the foundation for like something bigger and great. Mm-hmm. And you've put the work in. So a lot of times with um celebrities and stuff when they have
0: a brand, it feels like they just put their name on it. Right. And that's why people are like, we don't need another skincare brand from an influencer. We don't right. need because that's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. But it's really cool to see and hear that you are doing all the back end stuff. Like you're really just doing it all by yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And on top of that. The backstory of like having cocoa swatches, and then it led into you being able to have bare period. Yeah. It's like the whole. It's like a one. It's one big picture. Right. So no one would ever be able to say that. Oh, she just stuck her name on that because right. they can no. do the research. <laughs> okay. Look at look it all up and know that was that was not the case. Yeah. So
1: do, what does the bigger picture look like for you? Do you want to be in Sephora or like do you want to have foundation? Mm-hmm. I want to fill in gaps. So like I am someone who doesn't. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I think that in the beauty industry, it's saturated. So we, there's no, there's kind of sometimes no way to avoid rep- repetitiveness. Like, mm-hmm. okay, there's not like, there's not other lip glosses available in this mm-hmm. in this world. I know that. But I think that there's something that I have that's unique about mine. And so I want to kind of create products like, okay, we don't have a lot of um, like liquid bronzers, for example, that are deep enough mm-hmm. for deeper skin tones. There are certain products that I feel like are kind of glossed over, and people are like, oh, this product is so innovative, but nobody ever thinks of, like, okay, well, you know, this really super glossy lip gloss, for example, I don't know, like the YSL or the Hourglass might be super, super cool, but maybe I want like a really deep brown color, or mm-hmm. maybe I want, you know, something that I think will complement my skin tone a little bit more. So that's kind of where it's really like focusing on those color, color cosmetics and trying to find those gaps of things where. Things that I know that I use every day that I know that my community would appreciate that they would use every day that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think foundation is an interesting one because I feel like so many people after Fenty were like, oh, we need to have 50 shades. Yeah, And it don't matter what the 50 shades look like. It was just like, we just need to make yeah. sure we have them. <laughs> it don't matter if they're realistic or not. Yeah. We're just gonna... And then they found out that, oh, you actually have to talk to the people that mm-hmm. have those shades. You can't just put it out and act like those people don't exist. Because yeah. if you only have foundation, if you ha- if you have a foundation range that is inclusive, but nothing else in your brand works for darker skin tones, it's not going to sell. Yeah. And then, of course, you're going to pull it off your sales and go mm-hmm. back to the way things are. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of brands now that have, like, a pretty good range. So, I don't know, like, foundation to me is, like, I think it's uh it's an interesting subject, but it's not my forefront. I'm definitely thinking, like, color, like, blush, mm-hmm. gloss, Ooh, blush. those type of things mm-hmm. um, that, like, Oh, I love this color, but I just want it a little bit more deeper. I wish mm-hmm. I had some sparkle in it or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely,
0: I'm, I, I'm ordering right when I get a lip gloss. <laughs> but I just got into like lip glosses. Well, I've always wanted lip gloss, but just yeah. buying brands. Like, I usually would right. just like go to the beauty supply house, give me a little lip gloss, <laughs> yeah. go to Walmart, give me a little lip gloss, like mm-hmm. call it a day. But all these brands have the lip oils. And like, mm-hmm. really, after shooting like Milani's lip oils, I was yeah. like, wait, it's so cute to have like a little. Lip oil, mm-hmm. like a, like something cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I right, smells, smells good. Yeah, and then like the Fenty mm-hmm. glosses. Um, and then there's like Rode, and she has her lip yeah, tint. Yeah, that's yeah, I I recently good. got that one too. So I'm definitely gonna be ordered. I think I saw. I was like number three looks pretty too. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's kind of pinky. Yeah. It's like a peachy. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a peachy okay. kind of new. Like the first one's like kind of like a like a chestnut dark mm-hmm. brown. The second one's kind of more muted. Third one's kind of more peachy, and the fourth one's kind of more of that like. Creamy coffee color. Yeah. So they're all yeah. so
0: pretty. Yeah. And they're gloss. I love glossy, obviously. Yeah. Especially black girls. We love. Yeah, let's we love gloss. high gloss. <laughs> high high. We've been wearing I've been wearing gloss since I was two years exactly. old. Like my mom would be like, mm, <laughs> you need to put some gloss on. Um, so I kind of wanted to end with some like QA questions. Okay. Um And these are questions that like I had myself or also just people that when they submit for this podcast about content creation and whatnot, and I kind of just added them together. So, the first question is Do you see a difference between black creators versus like our white counterparts? And like, how have you, what has that experience been like for you? Because I always see people talking about that and like the brand deals that come about or the algorithm and whatnot. We kind of touched on that, but have you seen
1: that and felt that for yourself? For sure. I think that they're definitely in a lot of different ways. I think, um, I mean, we live, or we live in America mm-hmm. and so i think that america obviously has its its sorted history and that kind of seeps into everything like even when you think about like uh the algorithm and filters for example like the filters sometimes will lighten your skin automatically mm-hmm. right there's these certain little underlying things that even if you're just trying to post a video are going to affect you if you have a deeper skin tone mm-hmm. if you're a black creator um and that you sometimes can't get around so i think that for sure it affects you when like I said, I first started, a lot of black creators were the only people that were willing to call these brands to task and say, hey, why does your foundation stop at this? Why are you using a black girl in your campaign and that doesn't actually have product for her? And I think some people don't understand that it's very risky for your career to be seen as a hater or to mm-hmm. be seen as someone who, you know, is negative. Um, and I think that a a white creator that says the same thing isn't always seen in the same way. Isn't yeah, because we're like angry and black. Right, exactly. Now. We're just yeah. angry black women. Mm-hmm. We're just mad. Why can't we? It's just makeup, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know there are people that have been able to profit off things that black folks have been mad about for years because mm-hmm. they just happen to be of a different hue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just unfortunate. It's that's because it's tech. The it's like a what's the word? It's like. Is art a reflection of life or is life a reflection of art is the question Mm. that I think social media um, poses. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like we see what real life ideas and prejudices look like on social media because it's created by people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then it becomes a little bit amplified because of these like technologies and algorithms and things like that. So I think it's not to be discouraging, but it definitely, I think, does affect you, um, in terms of opportunities, in terms of the way you're seen. I think the way that I've chosen to go about it is to just continue to be true to my audience. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that is who you serve is your audience. If your audience doesn't find you genuine or authentic, then you're not going to be able to have a platform. Um, right. The brands can do what they want. Obviously, they're going to be paying you money. But they're paying you money because you have an audience of people who trust you. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're a black creator... That is what you have to always keep at the forefront is that who are you trying to serve and making sure you serve those people every
0: day right and I think this conversation is also just kind of being realistic, so right. you when you are trying to go into this world, just understanding that and also think it's important to follow people that look like you too, mm-hmm. because otherwise you're gonna compare yourself and wonder like why is this happening for this person but mm-hmm. not me so you Know, like, I think I just always think it's important to follow people that look like you too, yeah, and to you can
1: support them too mm-hmm. because we need, we yeah, we need to support each other, yeah, for sure, like, sure, um, subscribe, comment, yeah, because the <laughs> other thing that happens too is that sometimes people will automatically think that, oh, that person has a darker skin, I don't, I don't relate to them, even though mm-hmm. we probably follow people that don't have our skin mm-hmm. tone too. Sometimes people don't believe the reverse can be true, and so it's yeah, like you have to just kind of fight through that support your black creators mm-hmm. or your creators of color when you can because we obviously need it um and yeah i mean it's it's definitely there but it's not it, it sh- I, I don't want it to stop anyone right
0: yeah <laughs> go after your dream um okay next one um kind of what kind of the same idea what change would you want to see then in social media or in
1: this world in this industry I hate to be, like, that, like, boomer, but, like, can we just go back to the way things used to be without the algorithms and everything? I feel like it was, like, such a more realer representation of, like, good content Mm -hmm. for, like, a better, like, quality stuff. Because if you posted something back in the day when it was chronological order and it was no algorithm, you posted something... If it was doing well, you knew it was something that people resonated with. And if it didn't, you knew, you scrap it and you mm-hmm. move on. But now it's like you could have the same content and post it at five and post it at three. And one, it might be doing better just because of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to kind of gauge, like, even if, you're, if your community wants the information, they can't even get it yeah. from you. And so it's like I wish you could just go back to the days where, like, it's, it's, I just feel like it was fair for everybody. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like I said, like, I look for swatches on Instagram. I don't come up because Instagram can't tell that this is a arm because it's black oh my god <laughs> you know it's a black it's a black skin <sighs> it's a dark skin so they don't know that this is an arm like if i search for swatches on makeup a whole bunch of white creators come up my page does not come up which is crazy to me yeah so it's like i just wish we could kind of even the playing field somehow mm-hmm. but.
0: yeah uh that's so crazy
1: <laughs> <laughs> instagram do better yeah it's so frustrating
0: um so what is the hardest part about being an influencer slash what do you think is like the biggest misconception?
1: I think the hardest part is that um consistency and mm-hmm. and I guess I won't say find your why but I guess keeping it cuz I I think as people even myself like 8 years ago I was 8 years younger I had mm-hmm. different interests um you know I had different lifestyle and so now that I'm older, it's like how do I keep why I started at the forefront but then also do what I want to do as a person mm-hmm. even though like maybe the way that I want to do content has changed. Maybe, you know, I don't – and I, I, that's not necessarily true but let's say I don't like makeup anymore. Like mm-hmm. then what do I do, you know? Yeah. So it's like I think it's like I think that's kind of the hardest part is like okay, you get, you get up every day and you get to choose what you do. But you also have to consider your audience. You have to consider mm-hmm. the platform. And so getting up every day and saying, uh, I might not feel like talking about the latest, uh, you know, Christmas launches, but yeah. this is my job. Mm-hmm. And so I have you to find some, enth- <laughs> some enthusiasm in. to, you know, yeah. let people know because they're they're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the biggest misconception is I think we've talked about is it, just that is this is something that's like a get rich quick scheme. Because it's it's mm-hmm. even if you make it to a point where maybe you're viral or maybe you're doing well, you have your 15 minutes, you're working with lots of brands. It's hard to sustain that year over year. Like I said, if you are changing, if your life is changing, you mm-hmm. might not want to do the style of content anymore, even if it's working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it is you are your own boss. You got to wake up and do the ideas and do the editing, and yeah. you have to be this. Personality. If your personality has changed, you got to kind of keep, keep that same energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think it's like you see that with a lot of entertainers. They get burnt out mm-hmm. because it's like, hey, like it's not we don't as content creators. We're not really afforded the luxury sometimes that we see like artists afforded where they can have an album. The album, you get those same songs for the year and mm-hmm. then you're waiting for the other album. We're expected to create content every single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. New ideas, fresh content quality every day and i think as much as it's not the hardest job it's not manual labor it is very taxing and if you have a creator that you love definitely give them their flowers because as much as they might have, have five million followers they might still forget sometimes how much they're impacting you right they might need to hear those positive words of affirmation
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i love that all right um and next one where are oh, you this, this is the last one what advice would you give someone who wants to pursue this career?
1: Hmm. I, I'm mean, like AKA me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you doing it? You already you're pursuing it. You're doing it. We're here. <laughs> We're here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, I feel like that is is a. I think that's something actually I want to touch on is that like don't let like numbers or like metrics psych like you out of your greatness Mm -hmm. because I think that people think oh I'm only great if I have 500,000 I'm only great if I have work with this brand and that brand it's like no like if you are you know doing what you love sustaining yourself taking care of your business and you're connecting with community you're doing something and Mm -hmm. let's say you don't have work with any brands the community creating itself is so important because Mm -hmm. there's so many people that feel alone in this world that feel lost that feel like Oh, I like this really weird thing, and nobody around me likes this weird thing. But you've created a community where all y'all are talking about this weird thing, and Mm -hmm. that is important, whether you're making money for it or not. So I think that don't get so caught up in the metrics. Don't let numbers make you feel – like, don't let anybody, brands – because, like, at the end of the day, who is TikTok? Who is Instagram? Mm -hmm. Who is YouTube? Like, they cannot be the dictators of who you are as a person. So I think not getting caught up in those metrics um, and really just honing in on who do you, you want to be, who are you, who do you want to be, what do you want to say, um, is is probably the most important advice I can give.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all hear that? I hear that. Period.
1: Period. Bare period. Period.
0: <laughs> period. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, can
1: you... Tell us your socials where they can find you. Yes, I think I've said Coco Swatches a million times. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in makeup (laughs) for deeper skin tones, uh, at Coco Swatches on any platform. I'm on Pinterest, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, YouTube Shorts, um, Instagram, all the things. Um, My personal uh, Instagram is Ofuneamaka. And yeah, you can holler at me there. And you can shop. At bearperiod. And you com. can shop at bareperiod.com. Holidays Bear, coming up. Great gifts. TikTok as well. And Instagram. B-A-R-E-P-E-R-I-O-D.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Like, yeah. such an inspiration. Groundbreaking individual. <laughs> so I'm really honored to have you here. And I know, like, all the listeners, especially... Black girlies listening are gonna be like, Oh my gosh, I know her. So it's gonna be <laughs> uh, cool for me too. <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited to have you here and thank you so much for telling your story and sharing all your all your all your things with us. <laughs> thank yeah. Thank you so much for so, having me. So yeah, of course. Well, thank you all for listening and watching. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. You can watch the full episode on YouTube and make sure to send in your stories and questions at dearymoney.com. Reminder, I am not responsible for the outcome of any advice you take from me. Unless it's good, then I get all the credit. See you next week. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.